Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlo Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat from the Norton Hornets. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from Four Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's great. It's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bolt, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but, but we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickhead you could say it's just it's, they're just there's good racing and i enjoy it yeah. from the racetracks across australia and around the world here's inside supercars hello and welcome to this week's show joining me to discuss the topics of the week is a man who in 1984 presented me with a canberra times golden quill award he's the chief motoring writer for news limited it's paul gover good evening paul good evening craig we have both aged a little bit Probably a bit larger in the trailer size as well. I think I'm a lot bigger than you. Joining us from across the ditch, it's great to have the motorsport editor of Driven, Eric Thompson. Oh, thank you very much, guys. Good to be back on again. Thank you. The uh, interesting stories making news this week is Scott McLaughlin. He realises he's a bit too far out of the championship, but on stuff.co.uk, they're reporting that he's setting his sights to be a threat in the endurance races. On the ABC, it was reported that the Tasmania government is going to be spending $6 million to upgrade the Simmons Plains circuit. Paul Gover, it looks like V8 supercars have seen the success of the track walk and are going to implement it at Sydney Motorsport Park in two weeks' time. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's been a bottler. Um, it, you know, it's something that's gone off like a handheld flare. People want to get up close and up personal, and uh, this is exactly what Formula One needs to be doing, except that I guess in the Formula One world there are so many mechanics on the grid these days that there wouldn't be enough space for a grid walk. Of course, you've got a situation where Shane Van Gisbergen was talking to me about how it, it happened at Daytona, it happened at Spa. It makes sense that these sort of experiences are what people want to pay their money for as opposed to just a ticket yeah. in the outer. Voxy.co.uk has talked about uh, Andre Heimgardner setting up for his debut in the uh, V8 Supercar main game. Of course, Super Black Racing is going to be an, an interesting topic we'll talk a bit more about later. Well, I, th- I think uh, anybody coming into the series is going to have all sorts of troubles. I think Andre is a, a fairly well-credentialed young driver, but there are plenty of well-credentialed drivers in V8 Supercars who are struggling. Um, and I think it's it's always good to have people coming back in. I mean, three of the licences were handed in at the start of this year, and there are some people in trouble again uh, for the end of 2014. So any time we can get people in with fresh blood and uh, and some new ideas, I think is great. Eric, uh, News Limited reporting, Jamie Wincup admits that Craig Lowndes could be his biggest challenger in this championship. Yeah, I think it, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it's quite interesting that he's sort of now saying that his teammate is now going to be his biggest challenger. When at one stage, I think. I wouldn't quite say languishing, but was back in fifth or sixth in the championship. And Craig was sort of beginning to look like he might get another championship. But I think um, JB's just been on a hell of a roll recently, and Craig sort of peaked off a little bit. But I don't know whether... I actually personally think it's a bit of a PR spin, just saying, oh, my biggest challenger is my teammate. I mean, it seems to be things that everything from Formula One down to some Latvian Formula... Z Championship always says about my teammates. I'm not quite too sure about it. There's still a few guys that are doing quite quite well in that championship, and you can't rule out Mark Winterbottom at all. So I think Jamie's just playing a the safe game, shall mm. we say. It's interesting that tracks over in Australia, there's a lot of people trying to get tracks together, and Speed Cafe are reporting about a new Toowoomba facility. 
I know I followed this with a little bit of interest, actually, believe it or not, because um, Tony Quinn, actually oh. ex-Australia and, you know, GT car racer and bits oh, and bobs like that, and one of the guys sponsoring with VIP Pet Foods, our Shane Van Gisbergen, the Kiwi V8 supercar driver. But the thing is, watching him build his, oh, it'd have to be his personal fiefdom playground down at Cromwell in the South Island of New Zealand. And I sort of sat back and watched it. And it's actually turned out to be quite a neat little sort of entertainment facility. So I think if the guys out at Toowoomba are actually going to get it right, you turn it into an entertainment facility that has everything from go-karting. There's a mini golf course. There's even a little lake where you can sail little optic single-sail dinghies and stuff like that out there. So if if they don't do that right, but then I can't remember. Maybe you can help me. Uh, When was the last time you guys built a new circuit anyway? Uh, Uh, Morgan Park, maybe. Uh, Well, I mean, there have been a number built, but really none of them are are major circuits. Um, Basically, we've been closing circuits for as long as I've been going to the race, um, and that's really sad. I think the thing about it is, these days, if you're going to try and have a viable circuit, you do one of two things. You either turn it, as you're saying, into a multi-purpose uh, sort of activity, which is what Lakeside in Queensland's become. It's uh, booked out every day of the week for driver training and all sorts of other things. Or you get a V8 supercar around. Will they go to Toowoomba? I would think extremely unlikely, given that, that it's close to QR and, and also to the Gold Coast race. So it, that means it has to survive as effectively a local circuit. That means driver training and a whole lot of other things, not just motor racing. To our program guest now, and Damien White joins us after the break. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Tune in each weekday morning for a fast-paced look at V8 supercars with Supercars Today. It's a short, sharp look at what's happening across the V8 supercars world. I thought, to be honest, I thought the Townsville race on Sunday was a bit too long. I thought um, it took a bit too long to, to draw to its conclusion for people to understand how the race was going to go. Supercars Today, each weekday morning at sportradio.com.au or sign up for the podcast on iTunes. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard from Lockwood Racing, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as the supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back, and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Dale Wood from Team Advam GB Gal, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Damien White, the announcement of a Mini Enduro at Bathurst coming on the back of the changes to the Dunlop Series races throughout this year. It's uh, another very interesting step for the uh, continuing improvement of the Dunlop Series. Yeah, I mean, this year increasing it to 40 minute races was to bring it more in line with the VCS and. Um we don't really like to do mid-season changes like that, but there was a bit of an appetite from some DVS teams to be involved in the 1000 when we put out the you know the tenders for wildcards uh, into the Pertec Enduro Cup. And the commission looked closely at them and then decided the technical specification of the car is such that we couldn't ensure the parity. Um, so then the conversation just expanded and it was like, hey, if there's the appetite there for a longer race... So we went to Townsville, spoke to the teams, and there was a a majority, a large majority of them supported the idea. Then we workshopped it a bit, and then we've gone to market saying it's happening. 
and uh, you know, already the DVS teams are talking about strategy and how we can you know work a good result and who the co-drivers might be. So, I mean, I think it's a really positive step for the DVS teams. Is it safe to say you're leaving the options open for teams that might want to run their driver all the way through and for, te- and for other teams that might want to use the opportunity to either look at another driver or bring a, a part-time driver in? Look, absolutely. At the moment, the Commission has uh, yet to determine some finer details around how the pit stops will work, uh, the, the rules around co-drivers, and the co-driver thing is an option. So, yes, if you're a competitor in the DVS and, and you meet all the other entry criteria, you can do the whole race yourself. Uh, and, and in terms of the, the co-driver options, they might not necessarily be just limited to DVS drivers. We may look at what we might do from drivers in the 1,000. Um, and then, of course, with pit stops, we have to be sure that the, the teams, the DVS teams, are not compromised in terms of the equipment that they have. We don't want to force them to go and buy a whole bunch of stuff that they're going to use once a year. So um, we're pretty sure where those details will end up. But we wanted to go to market, let the DVS teams know well in advance this is what your race will be at Bathurst and now work with the Commission um, towards the end of August where we'll communicate the finer details around how the thing will operate. Could this be a first step towards having an endurance season for the DVS? Look, I think it's too early to say. Uh, Let's look at how the DVS race goes at Bathurst. In in terms of costs, I wouldn't have thought that provided we can reach agreement with the VCS teams in terms of equipment so that the DVS teams don't have to buy too much more... um, you know, in terms of actual running costs, if you have a look at the 250k race, it actually it's only about four or five laps more than the 240-minute races would have provided, uh, and they're doing one less race start. So, in terms of the running costs, I don't think the teams are looking at a great deal of difference. And again, it just depends to see how Bathurst rolls out, and if the teams want to engage with V8 supercars and say, let's have an enduro cup within an enduro cup, you know, never say never. Could it also see that the Saturday uh, having the DVS race and a big race like that or maybe even having all the DVS races on a Saturday, could it be something that would operationally work well? There are so many variables that um, that come into play there. I mean, DVS is obviously an important um, part in the in the whole makeup of V8 supercars racing. But, you know, we see the, the Porsche Carrera Cup and the V8 Utes and Touring Car Masters, Australian GT, Aussie race cars, all of those other support categories have an important part in our overall makeup. And, you know, Saturday and Sunday are the, a prime time for, for support categories to race. So I don't want to make a sweeping statement that DVS will always have that, that prime Saturday slot, but um, they're, they're, they're a primary focus for us in the support category world. But the other categories are, are also very important. We've been blessed this year with a DVS grid of 30-odd cars. When we go to Bathurst and you have 28 cars in the main game pit lane and obviously the equipment for that, will there be a shortfall of equipment, do you think? Or do you think that can be covered across all the booms? Oh, for the DVS cars? Yeah. I mean, we've averaged you know, 30-odd cars this year in DVS. We, we, we expect there might be a, a slight reduction in the basis of you know two teams combining resources and having a co-driver scenario. But, hey, if we, if we turn up with 30 or 32 cars, uh, again, that's where the commission comes in and we talk about the, the pit windows and all that sort of thing. So operationally, we know we're not going to trip over each other in the pit lane. Well, interesting times ahead. Thank you for your time. No problem at all. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. 
Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every, every year I see Jackie's Stewart Grand Prix and I just remind myself of, of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport, but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth from Erebus Motorsport and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars with Eric Thompson and Paul Gove. We talked in the uh, top of the show about the fan experience and Eric, getting more fans engaged at the track seems to be the priority now they've got their TV coverage in V8 Supercars sorted, certainly in Australia. It is, and I think for motor racing, like everything, every business, motor racing is a business, well, it's always sort of been a business, except in maybe the 50s and 60s when it was a gentleman's racing event on a weekend. It's about entertainment. It, I, I don't think motorsport anymore, really, if you're going to make any money out of it or make it viable, is any different from Cirque du Soleil or something like that, where you've got to entertain people. And like um, Paul was saying earlier, that thing about the track walk and, and being able to engage with the, the drivers and everything, rather than doing that whole Formula One thing where they're too precious and you know they live in a rarefied area, I think if you let people approach these the drivers, in whatever category it is, it's the way to go. And unless you provide entertainment, it's not going to happen because you've got to get them to the track. Okay, you know, a, a lot of categories in V8 Supercars is quite lucky with its television deals, but for motorsport in general, I think, to follow in that footsteps of entertainment, you still need the punters through the door because no, it doesn't matter how good the racing is if you don't see fans in the stand. Yeah, even people aren't even going to watch it on TV. Now, so. Paul, I know that uh, over in Spa, the media could not get over the Craig Lowndes, who just went up, initiated contact with them, and uh, they were taken aback just how open and forward he was to speak to everyone. There aren't many Craig Lowndes in the world, I have to say. <laughs> no, but... Th- th- <laughs> and and you've got to was... remember that Craig... You've got to remember that was Craig's big holiday, you know. He was doing a lot of other things. I mean, I was at... I was at uh, at Le Mans and also at the Nürburgring 24-hour race this year. And the thing about it is, um, a lot of the people are more approachable than you might expect. Um, but, but Craig is a one-off. You know, he learned from Brock that it's all about engaging with people and making them feel happy. And the other thing about Craig is he can talk to anyone, anywhere, about anything. And that's a gift. You know, if Jamie Winkup had gone to Spa... He would have disappeared. He would have stayed in the motorhome because he would have been there to win the race. Craig was there to enjoy himself, and that's fantastic. And he's a great ambassador for Australia, but he really is a one-off. I guess in some respects, uh, Paul, we are a little bit spoilt because the drivers are a lot more accessible than a lot of the other motorsport events we go to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, they are around. They do regular appearances. I mean, I was up at Queensland Raceway and watch Scotty McLaughlin and, and Dalgren doing their signing and things, and they talk to people and they're engaged and all that sort of stuff. They actually made eye contact and talked to them. A lot of times you go to that sort of thing with some of the upper echelon people in Europe, they don't even look up. They do, they, something's put in front of them, they sign it, they, and, you know, and they, they're only there because they have to be. I mean, the V8 thing uh, is very different to that, and that's what, we're sort of blessed that way. But that's also the Australian attitude, like... Could you imagine if you just sat there and, and didn't engage? The fans would be pretty... They would either stop coming or one of them would say, hey, what's wrong with you, dickhead? <laughs> um, <laughs> and you get a fairly instant reaction going on. But it comes off the back of a commercial managers meeting at Perth on the Saturday when 
basically the team sat down with V8 yeah. Supercars and they just, talking about where yeah. does the V8 Supercar experience at Norwell fit in, they talked about memberships, which has been a, a huge push at the moment to, to try and yeah. get that membership revenue base going for V8 Supercar teams. Yeah, that's exactly right. They, they're looking at all the things they need to do because they realise that the category is not healthy. Um, in, in, from a commercial sense, a lot of the teams are struggling. So they're looking for ways to keep the fans happy, looking for new things to do to get fans engaged. I mean, they've got some big money sponsors who do some fantastic stunts and, and that sort of stuff. But it's got to be a grassroots thing. Why do young people want to come to the races? What do they want out of the whole thing? And, and you're right, they need, it needs to be that there's a whole lot of other stuff orbiting around a bunch of cars racing that's not good enough in this sort of day and age to get people to come back uh, and also to stay involved. Eric, the Dunlop series is an important part of the support package that we're talking about, and it seems like now is the best it's ever been. Yeah, man, the, the, you know, second tier isn't such a bad thing. I mean, you look at, in fact, seeing um, that old stage at Dumbrell Racing reminds me a little bit about what they sometimes do in the NASCAR. Then, you know, the main game drivers drop down into the, you know, tier Station two. Light. Yep, yeah, sprint car cup drivers drop down to the nationwide, and, and you know, and tier two to just to either get a bit more track time, and all of a sudden fans that rock up to see that can see these guys maybe twice in a weekend or two different circuits, and they fly around. And I think that the, the, the development series is actually sort of seems to be coming along quite nicely, and I think people like a Dumbrell in that in that mix sort of gets these young stages to actually go, how can I measure myself? against somebody, you know, who may not have won a shitload of championships, but who's been around and can be a little bit grumpy, shall we say, on a circuit. And for the young guys, and that's my only little small issue about this super black racing thing with New Zealand and being a Kiwi, you know, I'm thinking about, you've got Ant Pedersen and Andre Heimgardner, who really, you know, they're good peddlers in the development series, but, I mean, stepping up into that main game that, that you guys have got, I mean, that's going to be a big ask. But I like the series, the development series. Paul, do you see the Dunlop series really taking a step forward here? And particularly, as uh, Damien White was saying, where the teams all wanted to be part of the uh, Bathurst 1000, so they've given them the Dunlop Mini Enduro. Yeah, I think uh, the thing about it is the reason they didn't put them in with the main game is really simple, because the old cars would have been faster. Mm. How about that? <laughs> but uh, that's, a, that's a whole different can of worms. Um, the reason why is because they want to have the same sort of experience. Now, they're not going to get into the main game to start these days because of the way the rules work for, for the main event. It is great that there's a 250k thing. I think the series is actually, it needs people like Dumbrell in it. When you've got a bunch of nobodies in there and they'll, somebody will ring up and, or email me and tell me that I don't know what I'm talking about, but you need a benchmark so you can say, well, that's who we're up against. And, I mean, PD's at the top of his game. He's going to be with you know, Jamie again this year at Bathurst. There's every reason to think that they're going to win the race, at least one of the two of the Sandown and Bathurst races, because they do a great job. And he is on the ball, and that gives them something to aim at. They know what they're doing, but also the team managers in the main game can say, OK, well, we know where PD fits in, and then we can scale all the rest of them against it. Um, you know, having people like Morrison is, is entertaining because the, uh, you were talking a minute ago about uh, guys who are a little bit grumpy. Uh, PD's not not grumpy, but but Paul surely is. But the other thing is, from an outright pace point of view, it's not Paul's not there anymore, but PD surely is. We need to take a break here on Inside Supercars, but plenty more when we return. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Bolt Radio Facebook page. 
Hi, I'm Nick Perkett from HHA Racing. You are listening to Inside V8 Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every, every year I see Jackie's Tour Grand Prix and I just remind myself of, of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport, but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Scott Pye from Wilson Security, Dick Johnson Racing, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars as Paul Gover and Eric Thompson join me, Craig Raffel. And is it time now where the Dunlop Series can have main game drivers making one or maybe all season appearances? Uh, I don't think so. they're going to let them run all season, but I think it would be, think it'd be interesting if they said you can do two or three. So you imagine that you had a home race and, and, and you put a couple of guys in for those home events. I mean... Brad Jones Racing run a couple of cars, so and, and a lot of the teams are probably maybe not your Triple Eights, but there'd be a bunch of teams who've got cars floating around that they've got access to, or people they can stick in. And I think the drivers would like it, but who cares about the drivers? What's about is the fans. And I can tell you, if the fans saw these guys racing again in a different category car, it would be fantastic. Yeah. I don't know how some of the sponsors react, but does it really matter? I mean, the fact of the matter is. You know, I've been going to the races since the 1970s and, and it was quite common for guys to jump out of different categories and race sports cars or open wheelers or touring cars on the same day. Um, you know, back in the, even long before I was around, you know, Graham Hill and those sort of guys, nothing for them to race in four or five different categories on the same race program. And I think it's, I think it's great. And, and if, it adds, if it adds some luster to the thing, it's good. If it gives the young bloke somebody to aspire to beat, I think it's good. But I think, it, for me, it would have to be capped at, say, two or three races a year. Now, Eric, outside of the Dunlop series, there's a number of drivers. We, we mentioned Shane Van Gisbergen, and Craig Lowndes and those guys doing Spa. But there is a, a feeling in amongst V8 supercars that they don't want their drivers racing anything but V8 supercars. Yeah, which I think is a bit silly. Um, uh, sort of personally and also professionally covering motorsport for uh, you know, a fair while now, I, 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 you can't own somebody. I mean, in, I mean, Formula One does some of their drivers, but and 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 the thing is, well, we sort of all know what's happening with Formula One now. And I think for V8 supercars, if they looked at it slightly differently and said, well, I mean, it was the great thing about Craig Lowndes going out to Europe and saying and um, sort of looking at him wandering around Spa and everybody's going, whoa, what category did you come from? Why are you so cool and groovy? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Suddenly, the brand of V8 supercars becomes a little bit more global, and I know that the category is trying to go global, and they haven't quite sort of nailed that yet. And the thing is, letting these guys race somewhere else and saying, "Well, my main drive is in V8 supercars," so I can't see why you wouldn't allow them to go and race somewhere else because they've made their name in V8 supercars. So, as a, from a brand point of view and the brand's personality. You'd sort of say, well, let's let our, you know, some of our high-profile drivers. And the other, from the other point of the time, letting some of the younger guys coming into the category get some more seat time and other race championships on the, you know, both sides of the Tasman. I mean, it was great. I think, you know, um, the New Zealand V8 Super Tourist thing started up. An awful lot of the um, young uh, V8 Supercar drivers came over and, and raced a couple of rounds here just to get, well, to find out what Pukekohe was like because a lot of them wouldn't have raced on it. So it's also a learning and a development thing. And... I just think it's good to get these guys out, and especially they want to race cars. 
I mean, you talk to any of them, if they could race sort of 52 weeks of the year, most of them probably would. Paul, of course, we've seen this week what can happen when you're racing in other series, and Tony Stewart has unfortunately been involved in a terrible incident that has seen the loss of life of a, a competitor. Tony, the year before, broke his legs in an incident in sprint cars, so there is a risk that, you know, you can hurt yourself no matter what form of motorsport you're in. No, I think you're ending up one-on-one and getting 63 here. Um, the reason why the V8 supercar guys don't want their people racing somewhere else has got everything to do with the TV coverage. What we're all dancing around here is the Bathurst 12 out next year, and the fact of the matter is there's a huge clash going on, and it's all down to the TV, nothing else. All the drivers want to race there. I mean, I've spoken to guys who know they can do both events. They can do the test at Eastern Creek and they can race at the 12-hour on the same weekend using helicopters. It's not, it's, not, it's not a problem, and I've looked at the schedule. It can be done, but it all comes down to the TV. And so the Viet Supercar people don't want their stars, if you like, because that's what they are. They see as some entertainment stars off on a rival network. So that's what that's about. The Tony Stewart thing is a, is a different kettle of fish. I mean, Paul Morris races V8s. He races sprint cars. He's raced Aussie racing cars. He's probably the closest thing we have to smoke here in Australia. Uh, and interestingly, he probably has a similar sort of um, short fuse when it comes to things that annoy him. But I think that, you know, the fact that Smoke, uh, you know, I mean, the fact is he owns a racetrack. He doesn't just go and dabble off in sprint cars. I mean, the first time I ever saw Tony Stewart race was at, um, was at, uh, at Granville in the speed, in Speedway in Australia. That's where he comes from. That's who he is. And, he, and he's got enough money so he can do it. So, I mean, that's, that's a horrible thing that happened, but I don't think it has anything to do with exposure or whatever. That is a complete freak one-off. I mean, I have never heard of anything like that happening in the past, and I don't think it's ever going to happen again mm. in the future. And I know, Eric, uh, on that count, you uh, were talking to me off air about uh, just what happened on Twitter. Oh, mate, I hope that bloody social... I hope all social media, in effect, implodes and burns itself to the ground. I mean, it's just, some of the stuff, I think, has just been absolutely ridiculous. And yet, and quite a bit of mainstream media is picking up on what goes on in the social media space without actually sitting back, taking a deep breath and just going. And as Paul said, I mean, you know, I've always think that fact is stranger than fiction. Nobody could have written a movie about what happened at that Speedway event. It is just odd what happened. And... To suddenly say that a guy of Tony Stewart, yeah, sure, he's a, a, an aggressive driver and he wants to win and he's marched up and down circus before and biffed helmets around and stuff like that, but there's no way on this God's earth that he would deliberately run somebody down. And I think everybody's just got to take a deep breath and step back and just just chill out. But the positive thing about this, for me is that if the death on a motorsport track makes global news, it means there can be sweet bugger all of it happening on a race circuit because if it was a regular thing, nobody would care. So that's the positive mm. I'm taking out of this. Yeah, and, uh, well, Paul, uh, obviously when we get back to the, bring it back to the 12-hour, if they put a media day on uh, the Sunday at Sydney Motorsport Park, and it have... It can uh, still be done. Well, what about the media who are supposed to be at the media day on Sunday? Uh, cares about the media we're talking about the drivers and the tv here i mean the fact of the matter is rick rick kelly can get up and drive from six to eight o'clock in the morning which is when the 12-hour race starts and get in the helicopter and fly to sydney 
and do the thing. And I'm sure that if, if Nissan was making that happen, that they'd find a space on the helicopter for you too, Craig. Oh, well, that's very generous of them because I know that you're going to be in some sort of race car even though you retired after winning at the Bathurst 12-hour last year. Oh, uh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll night, yes. I didn't stay retired for very long, as you know, but, but Ferrari rang up and offered me a drive in something else and I couldn't really say no. So, um, yeah, it, maybe I'll be driving at Bathurst next year. I sound a bit like like somebody who anybody could care about. I mean, I'm only a journalist. But, yeah, if, if an offer comes up that's uh, something else, uh, yeah, I'd, look for, I'd definitely like to have another go. Well, a break and a final thought up next here on Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Final thought now, Eric Thompson. Oh, I'm quite looking forward to the end of this to this endurance season, actually, in the, in the V8 Supercars Championship. I think it's going to be quite fantastic because there's going to be a lot of people sort of looking at the double points and all those sort of things, or the, the big points halls, and I still don't know how those guys that race all season, I, I don't know whether I could do it. I mean, I raced motorcycles internationally for eight years all around the world, and I wasn't very keen on endurance racing. You sort of do your stint, and you have to hand the keys over. You know, that metaphorical, your hand shaking, handing the keys to your car to somebody else. So I just think it adds a massive dimension to the whole championship. You have seen history this year. That man, uh, Win Cup, is going to win the championship again. Uh, he'll be six. He'll be the first guy to do it, and uh, he totally will deserve it. Uh, I think he's got he's got back his mojo. Whether that was gelling with his new engineer or whatever it is, uh, he's just been on holidays in Queensland with Paul Dumbrell getting ready for the Enduros, gelling for the handing over of the keys. I don't see any combination that can beat him and Triple Eight in this year's championship. It's great to have you both on the show once again and uh, look forward to catching up with you at the racetracks very soon. Good to see you. Good to talk. Yeah, good to talk. Thanks, guys. That's all we have time for this week on the show. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device, search Inside Supercars.